Hey guys, Pastor Wes here with Boulevard Church. Really looking forward to talking to you guys about Jesus today. Know that I miss you. I'm excited to see you. Uh, we got this countdown going, hopefully to see each other again in the building really soon. Uh, but while we're at it, you know us, we are still diving into this year-long series we've been a part of called The Three Pillars. They probably won't appear on the screen, but like in my head I pictured they would. Um, and you know, uh, we have three pillars in our church, and like I've been saying consistently, and you'll hear me say consistently for the rest of the year as long as you're tuning in, these three pillars aren't just things I want to build Boulevard on. These are things I believe we're called to build our lives on. And what are the three pillars, you ask? Well, thanks for asking. Thing one is uh, your personal relationship with God. How is your relationship with God doing? Are you praying? Are you fasting? Are you reading? Are you studying? Are you getting to know Him? Do you have a life that is led by God first and foremost? Because here at Boulevard Church, and really just in the Bible, we are adamantly convinced that as long as first things are put first, everything else will fall in line in its due time. Um, and so we called that series First Love uh, because we believe that God is called to be your first love. And so if you'd like to check that series out, just head to our YouTube. You can just scroll all the way back to when those messages started and they'll be called First Love. Uh, but now we've been on the second pillar and we've been calling it Hearts for the House heart for the house. Uh, and so this for us is our second pillar of our church is community. Um, that we believe that God hasn't just called us uh, to have a relationship with him, but also to have a relationship with the loving body of Christ. And actually, I didn't plan on this, but I'm going to bring it in now. Uh, Maddie Montgomery, um, who is a pastor at, I think the church is called The Altar, or Altar Church, or Altar, Gath Altar Gathering or something. He did a quote, I recently reposted it, but I'm just going to read it again, uh, because I feel like it does a really good job of explaining community. Um, and Manny Montgomery said this, he said, God hasn't called us merely to faith, but also to family. Your destiny is inseparably linked with the destinies of those he's called you into community with. Church, then, is not a social event to be attended, but a holy mandate to be cherished. Do not forsake it. It's a beautiful quote. I absolutely love it. And that thing, that concept that this community isn't just a place where you come, throw your tithe, listen to a sermon, and leave. But no, all of our destinies are intertwined together as we pick up a calling together and as we chase Vegas to know Jesus. Amen? And then our third pillar uh, is evangelism. Uh, we believe that every Christian is not just called to have a, a relationship with their brothers and sisters in Christ but to build relationships with people who don't know Jesus so we can walk them into relationship with Jesus. We believe that's important, and that series should be starting soon. It might be getting pushed back a bit later than I thought because God's been putting a few more things on my heart for heart for the house. But when that happens, we will call that series um, On Your Street and In Your City, which is the tagline of this church. Uh, so with that being said, we are still on Heart for the House. Can you guys say Heart for the House? Heart for the House. Yeah, we go, Christina. Uh, so anytime uh, Christina represents the audience, you guys can type in Heart for the House down there just so I know you're paying attention uh, because we do film this in advance. So I'm like watching and I'm reading the comments. and uh, But you don't know that. Like secretly, I'm, I'm live, but but I'm watching. Um, and so, yeah, just put Heart for the House down there just so I know that you're involved, that you're here, that Jesus loves you. Hopefully you got your notebook. Hopefully you got your Bible. Hopefully you're in a small group setting right now and there are people around you also who have their notebooks and their Bibles and that we are doing this together. Uh, and so today's message is going to be called Heard That, or actually it's going to be Heard That, right? Um, <laughs> we're going to be talking about um, hearing 
God? How do we hear from God? Um, if God is always speaking, how come we don't always hear him? If God is always directing, how come we, we often go in the wrong direction? Why is it that when God is leading and guiding, sometimes we have such a hard time translating what it is that we're, what he's saying? And more than that, how do I know if I'm listening to the voice of the God? How do I know if it is the voice of God speaking to me? Because see, if a bunch of people either aren't listening to God or aren't sure how to listen to God, then the community will always be in chaos. And so I believe it's very pivotal for a body of believers to come together who are desperate and able to hear God. And what does it look like when 10 people are in a room together and we're all hearing from the same God? What kind of unity comes from that? What kind of love? What kind of calling and testimony comes from that? So that's what I want to talk about today. Now, I want to give you guys a fair warning. I've never done this before. Um, I wrote this sermon, right? Because Deacon Chad preached last week. And by the way, can we get a shout out for Deacon Chad? Give a shout out for Deacon Chad. Yeah, just put, ah, Deacon Chad, love you. You're awesome. Something like that. And someone put the turkey emoji in there. I don't know why. I just put it. Just at least one person put it. Chris, if no one puts it, I expect you to put it. Just saying. I expect it. Um, but, uh. You did amazing, Deacon Chad. I'm so proud of you. I'm so grateful to have you as a part of this church. Uh, this body always is just a little bit better because you're a part of it. And we really love you and we really appreciate you. So, But with that being said, I've had two weeks to work on this sermon. And I have diligently worked on this sermon. And I've been building a sermon. And I actually spent two weeks. Normally, I like throw my sermons away. And I have to redo my sermons and all this kind of stuff. But this sermon, I actually was able to just, just keep adding to it throughout the two weeks. It was awesome. And um, as I was doing another study on the side um, by Charles Stanley, um, it's a Bible devotion actually on you version by Charles Stanley. It's called like hearing from God or something like that. And I got to day 13 out of 14, I want to say three days ago, and I read that devotional. And let me tell you something. That devotional was exactly my sermon, but a thousand times better. I was so offended. It was awesome. I was so offended. But I mean, this guy's been studying the word for, I don't know how long. I think he's in his 50s or 60s by this point. And uh, so um, I got to tell you, just full disclosure, um, I stole his sermon. And so I took a lot of his nuggets and I put them right here in this sermon. Unashamedly, but I'm just letting you guys know because normally uh, I take it from a little bit of everyone. But this time, like, I looked at this guy's sermon, which was exactly the same as mine, but just better in every way. And I was like, you know what? Mine now. And I just, I took the the nuggets that he had or the, the his points and I just put them in my sermon. So full disclosure, that happened. And I'm not even denying it. Uh, so that's uh, Charles Stanley. If you ever want to read that devotional, I, again, I forget what it's called off the top of my head. But just type in Charles Stanley. I'm sure he only has a handful of them. And it's about like hearing from God or the voice of God or something like that. Um, and this is, you're hearing day 13 now. Um, with that being said, I'm going to read 1 Samuel chapter 3, verses 1 to 14. And this will be the only section of scripture that we spend time in today. Um, I'm going to take a drink first because I got a fluff in my mouth. And that'll bother me the whole time. All right, when you got your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 3, type there. I'll wait for you. I'm just kidding. I'm going to wait for you because we brought a Bible for you. And in just a couple seconds, we'll all be there together out of the ESV version. Uh, so 1 Samuel chapter 3 verses 1 to 14 goes a little something like this. Uh, now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And so these are going to be the only two characters in this story. Is Eli, who is a chief priest, 
and who is a Samuel's mentor, and then Samuel, who is a young boy who will eventually become the prophet that anoints David as king, and anoints Saul as king, actually, and is considered by many to be the final judge in the Bible. He's a big character. He's very important in the overall story of Jewish history. Um, and so, um, and the word of the Lord was rare in those days. So God didn't speak very often in this time anymore because the people were so wicked and so distant from God. There was no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was laying down in the temple where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and he said, here I am. And he ran and said to Eli, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call, lie down again. So he went to lie down. Now, I kind of stumbled over my words. Those are just to make sure we understand. God called Samuel. Samuel thought Eli was calling him. So Samuel ran to Eli, right? And then Eli said, no, it wasn't me. Go back to bed. This kid is the worst. And the Lord called him again, Samuel. And Samuel rose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. But he said, I did not call you my son, lie down again. What are we seeing here? We're seeing that God is talking, but Samuel doesn't understand that God is talking to him. I wonder if that'll come up in the sermon. Um, now Samuel did not yet know the Lord and the word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. And the Lord called Samuel again a third time and he arose and went to Eli and said, here I am for you called me. Then Eli perceived that the Lord was calling the boy. Therefore Eli said to Samuel, go lie down. If he calls you, you should say, speak Lord for your servant hears. That's a big part. Speak Lord for your servant hears hears. Now it's intentional, right? Um, and so Samuel went and laid down in his place and the Lord came and stood calling as the other times, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel said, speak for your servant hears. Then the Lord said to Samuel, behold, I'm about to do a thing in Israel at which the two ears of everyone who hears it will tingle. On that day, I will fulfill against Eli all that I have spoken concerning his house from beginning to end. And I declare that I am about to punish his house forever for the iniquity that he knew because his sons were blaspheming God and did not restrain them. Therefore, I swear to the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be atoned for by sacrifice or offering forever. And now before I praise, and I do want to say, there's a bit more to the story, but I just didn't want to have to us read so much. What happens next is the next day, Samuel tries to avoid telling Eli this story. And Eli looks at Samuel and says, tell me what God told you. And when Samuel tells God, Eli, God basically said he's going to destroy you. Eli stops and he looks and goes, if that's the Lord's will, and he walks away and he doesn't fight it, and he actually lets himself die before the Lord, uh, which is kind of nuts, but we'll talk about that a little bit in the story. So I'm going to pray us in, and then we are going to talk about heard that. Um, dear Lord in heaven, I thank you for every person under the sound of my voice. Uh, God, I thank you that they're here. I thank you that they're listening. Um, God, I pray that we wouldn't just... Um, the sound wouldn't just be in the room right now, but God, we would actively listen to what you are saying right now. The God, what you are speaking right now. God, the direction that you're taking us right now. Lord, I, I pray that this wouldn't just be words that fall on deaf ears or hardened hearts, uh, but as your son said, that we would have ears to hear the words that you have spoken, Lord. And I pray all of this over everyone listening. And God, I pray that you help me preach uh, that this would be all you and none of me. And I thank you, Lord, uh, that my wife is hot and that you bless me like that. In Jesus' name I say, amen.
Amen. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? You know, you know what I'm saying. Um, so, uh, I have a thing. I've talked about it a few times because I'm kind of this way. Um, you ever been in a room with someone and they start to talk and you didn't hear a word they said, but you, you were kind of aware that someone was talking but not aware enough to focus on it? And, and let's think about this too. I think there's also people, certain people in your life that if they walk in the room and talk because of who they are, you'll instantly look and pay attention no matter what you're doing. And isn't it kind of interesting how we have situations in our lives where even if we're not paying attention, if a certain type of person talks, we'll perk up and listen. And then there's another type of people that you could be totally paying attention. And when this person starts to talk, you just fade out and you're gone, right? Isn't that so funny how we all do that? We all do it. Don't lie to me. Stop it. Stop trying to defend yourself. You know that you do that. Um, I experienced this in high school a lot because we had a friend in high school um, and and he was a really, you know, like a popular kid. And I don't know if you know this, like they're like every, you know, high school's full of cliques. We've got the emos here. we got the, you know, they all got the, the long hair and the, the bracelets up to here and the, the skinny jeans. And then we got like the, the stoners and sometimes they intermingle. But you got the preppy kids and you got the, the jocks and you got everything like that. But then there are certain people, certain people that rise above. And no matter where they go, no matter what group they talk to, they're just kind of considered cool. They're just cool people, right? I was not that person. Uh, I mean, I knew a lot of people, um, but no, I definitely wasn't like part of the cool crowd, like the cool kids club or anything like that, right? Um, but there was a kid at our school that everyone loved. And no matter where he went, everyone would listen to him. But he had this funny catchphrase that if someone would say something to him, anything that he liked, they'd be like, oh man, your shirt looks good today. He'd be like, heard that. That'd be, that's where the sermon came from by the way, the title. And he would say that, like he would, like it was the weirdest acknowledgement, uh, but he would just be like, heard that, and he would just walk on. And it's like, I'm glad he heard that I like his t-shirt or something like that. But the problem was because he was so cool, that started becoming a catchphrase that everyone around him kind of started saying, because everyone kind of wanted to be like him and recognized by him. And people would say certain things to him just to get him to say, heard that. And it just became this funny thing in the school where like girls would like kind of follow him and when you say, heard that, they're like, giggle and run off and stuff and you're like what what is happening right now and then I'd be like this is so weird and he'd be like heard that and I'd melt because I'd be like oh my god like he heard that you know what I'm saying like it was oh my god like <laughs> I thought stop it you know and then I'm all red and 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 yeah um anyway um but then it's funny because I think we've all kind of met people like that right the people that everyone wants to listen to uh, the people that everyone kind of respects and their opinion holds so much weight in our lives and the lives around us and then we flip it and then you also got the other person like I've talked about before I've had conversations with people where they start to talk and I'm just like eyes glaze over right and, and I, I hate it that I do it because I don't want to do it but like it'll happen enough like I was sitting down and playing a game having a good time I was like oh how's your day we'll talk about our day we'll be having a really good conversation and then she go hey can you take the trash out and she'll start to explain and once she starts to explain the chores she wants me to do right right back to Charlie Brown right back to the teachers in Charlie Brown it's just wah 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 and I'm sitting here like Mm -hmm. And I'm nodding my head, right? And I gotta, I gotta nod at the right times, so it looks like yes, he's paying attention right now. He heard everything I said, and it's like, so if you nod too much, it seems sarcastic. If you don't nod enough, it seems like you're not paying attention. So I got the art 
down. I got the art down of nodding at just the right time so that I don't actually have to pay attention, uh, which is amazing. Um, and God is so good. But I think if we're being honest, we have people we do that to. There can be people that no matter who they are, when they walk up, you're instantly, you tune out immediately. You're just like, oh, I'm done, right? We see that it's in politics a lot recently. Um, if, if Biden says anything right now, right, all the Republicans are like, uh-huh, yeah. And then if Trump says anything, right, all the Democrats, they, they, they kind of tune out. And then both groups, what do they do? They, they start to, like, make their own decision on what the person said instead of actually listening to what they said. So there's so much false information going around because no one's really listening to everyone. Everyone's just kind of listening to themselves and their own perspectives on things. It's like, I think I said it recently. It reminds me of Bo Burnham. Uh, it's a comedian. And he says, like, I don't really have an opinion on things. I just have an opinion on other people's opinion of things, right? Uh, we've come, become so disconnected uh, from really paying attention in hearing things we don't want to hear. And the truth is, and we all know it, a lot of times this translates into God, right? Um, what we see in 1 Samuel, and we see with Samuel as he's dealing with God and he's not quite understanding that God is speaking, um, Charles Stanley points out that what you see are two different types of things here. There is passive hearing, ready? And there is active listening. Um, passive hearing is genuinely what I believe most Christians do to God right now. We're not really seeking God hard. We don't really follow his mandates well, but occasionally, because he's always speaking, we pick up little things and we take it as if God is talking, but God is saying so much more than we thought. You have to realize something, and I want you guys to understand this. The Holy Spirit of God is in you, alive and well right now. So God is always speaking to you. He's always guiding you, and he's always directing you. My nose itches, and it's like embarrassing because I don't want to do it on camera, but I'm just going to do it on camera, um, right? And, and we, we do this that we kind of, unless we're actively paying attention to God all the time, then what we do is we kind of just get little blips of what God is saying. We'll pray and be like, I heard God say this word, but I don't know what it means, right? And I feel that most of the time, God probably would have said more if we would have paid more attention, right? And so passive hearing is hearing, but not really registering what is being said, right? And so my wife will say, take out the trash and clean the dishes. But when she said, take out the trash, I kind of tuned out. So I'll take out the trash and she'll be like, why don't you clean the dishes? I'll be like, you didn't tell me to clean the dishes. And she'll be like, yes, I said, take out the trash and clean the dishes. I'll be like, you only told me to take out the trash, right? She said both, but I was only listening to the first part. And then what do I do? Well, I'm smart. So what I do is I make Cody do the dishes after I have failed to do them because God is so good. Thank you, Cody, for doing the dishes. But that is what passive hearing is. When we start to hear something we don't like, or maybe we like what God has to say, but we're just so busy with other things that we're only catching little glimpses of what God is saying. Now, we have, what else do we have? We have active hearing. And I am kind of trying to push through this because, guys, I'm going to blow your minds. I usually have three points max. I have eight points today. And so I got to make sure that I can actually do this in a timely manner. And so I'm trying to just move through this really quickly. Uh, question, where am I at on time? 19 minutes. 19 minutes? Please. I'm going I'm to knock this out. We're going to get eight points in seven minutes. You, I'm just kidding. Don't even, don't even quote me on that. Um, but then there's active listening. Again, this is Charles Stanley points out that what, when we see in Samuel, what Samuel was doing was he had passive hearing because he was in the place that God was speaking. He heard stuff, but he couldn't register what was actually being said or taught, right? But then when Eli says to him, hey, go to God, and when you hear the voice next time, say, here I am, I'm listening, right? And this turned into active 
listening. And active listening is this bringing the mind into listening, actually understanding what is being said. Because look, a lot of us hear, but we don't listen, right? Because listening is when the mind gets involved. Listening is when I don't just hear what you're saying, but I'm translating what you're saying so I can understand what you're saying, so I can apply it to my life. And here's the truth, every Christian wants to be led by God. Um, I just think a lot of us, either we don't know how, maybe we don't want to live the lifestyle that would lead to hearing God more, or maybe God's trying to tell us something we just don't want to hear yet. And so we're blocking him out. But I want to encourage you today, um, if you feel like it's been a long time since God spoke, he's speaking. Now you can take that as discouragement to say you're not listening, or take it as encouragement to say from this day onward, you could be hearing active things from God every single day of your life right how do we do that well um charles stanley gave 10 points and i kind of made less than 10 because i feel like some of them were a bit repetitive from my perspective and so i dumbed it down to eight points right i just combined two other points so this would be a little easier and these are the the ways we actively listen um ready these are just little one word answers that i'll give a bit of an explanation to um so let's just say right here the eight ways we can actively listen to God. Eight ways that we can say, you know, God, you are listening. God, you are here, but maybe I'm missing what you're saying. And so God, I want to hear you and I want to actively get the voice of God to be a regular part of my life. How do I do that? Uh, first step is expectantly, right? Expectantly. And this isn't an in-step order. You just got to do all eight of them. Uh, expectantly, right? So we have to actually have the place where we expect God to speak. Remember, Samuel heard Eli talking, but he couldn't understand what God, sorry, Samuel heard God talking, but he couldn't understand that it was God because he had no expectation for God to speak. Because what does the Bible say? One, it says that God hadn't been speaking recently. Two, it says that Samuel did not yet know the Lord. Three, it says he did not yet know the word of God, right? So let's shout this out to you that God is speaking now. And so if you're not hearing God talk, either you don't know the Lord or you're not paying attention to his word, right? And I believe that most of us are Christians, so we can take that down we know the Lord and what's left we're not paying attention to what he is saying right so expectation uh, just like with Samuel when his leader looked at him and said listen God's talking say this to God and expect him to speak to you Samuel went and immediately had a conversation with God why because an expectation got built in him by the voice of God and by his leader guiding him back to the voice um, I love this Charles Stanley wrote this in his devotional he said anticipate with eagerness that he will speak to us, right? Anticipate with eagerness that he will speak to us. I love the use of the word anticipate, anticipation. Um, I saw a tweet, some guy said, where he said, uh, I see you waiting with Antissa. And then later he, he tweeted and said, patient, right? And someone pointed out that those tweets were 10 years apart. So he said, I see you waiting with Antissa. And then for 10 years, he was silent. And 10 years later, this guy comes back and says, patient, right? And so it's like that anticipation is what will give you the expectation and anticipation will give you the endurance to wait through those long times where it feels like God isn't speaking or you're having a hard time hearing him. Ex expectation produces, oh man, God doesn't want to speak to me right now. It takes that away. And in its place, it puts, okay, since I'm expecting God to speak and I know God wants to speak, if I'm not hearing him, then I need to listen more. Christians, too many of us go to God and we don't really believe he's going to talk to us. It's time to kill that. It's time to let that die. God wants to talk to you. Expect it. I want to give you a few phrases that if you utter these things or you think these things, you're, there's no expectation. If you think, oh, this situation is hopeless, there's no expectation. 
That's a lack of faith. If you think God can't fix this or God can't do this or God can't move in this, I'll tell you right now, you're not hearing the voice of God. There's no expectation, right? There is nothing that God can't do. There is nothing that God can't fix. There is nothing that God can't build you out of and build you into. Our God is so much bigger, better, stronger, and more powerful than anything you can think about, right? Sometimes it's hard to preach about him effectively because I can never say the words that will actively show you how big and how great and how mighty he is. But I do want to encourage you to have an expectation. God is talking. When you this sermon ends and you talk to your small groups and you guys go home, if you put on your worship music or didn't turn it on, I like worship music on, you go into a room and you shut the door and you get on your knees, God will speak to you even if you're not listening because God has things to say and directions to take us. So I want to tell you with all the encouragement in the world, have anticipation and an expectancy that God will speak to you because he will. Ready? Next is quietly, right? We have to be quiet in our listening. Um, Samuel, how did Samuel hear what God was saying? Well, the Bible says that he was laying down in the temple. So David, or David, Samuel is laying down before the ark of God and he's quiet. He's probably falling asleep, right? Or maybe he's doing some work, but either way, he's quiet he's focused he's listening and when he hears the voice even though he's not aware that it's God speaking he still heard the voice because there was a quietness around him I love this what David says I forget what psalm it is but it's one of my favorite things David says he goes on my bed I remember you I think of you through the watches of the night what is David saying while I lay in bed and it's quiet and I'm by myself in my room I'm listening and I'm thinking about the goodness of who you are and sometimes even if you have no expectation but you have a quietness God will still break through and speak to you anyway a quietness is important what does quietness involve um, it involves getting rid of some of the noise around you maybe maybe sometimes I've had moments where I'm driving and I've heard God say hey turn the music off Right? Because think about it. When, if you're driving in the car with someone and someone starts to talk to you and you want to hear what they say, what do you do? You turn the music down and say, oh, what'd you say? Right? Sometimes we have to do that to God. We have to turn the music down and say, wait, God, what did you say? Right? Because turning down music sometimes is a show of, no, I'm listening to you. Sometimes it's a sign of respect because I don't know if you've ever been in conversations with people. I remember I was in Aaron Rosenberg's car. <laughs> hey, Aaron, you're part of the sermon. I was in Aaron Rosenberg's car and he was blasting some like hardcore stuff and he was looking at me and he was talking to me about the band. And I was like in the car looking at him going, I can't hear a word this guy's saying. But I nodded along because I was doing, uh, I was doing passive hearing at the time. And I was like, yeah, yeah. and he's like talking about his band. But the truth is, even if I was focusing in, I wouldn't have been able to hear because the music was so loud and finally I remember it because it was funny he turned to me and said wait a second did you hear what I said and um, I said yes well anyway uh, so quietness is actually such a big part of your relationship with God and the reason why some of us don't hear God is because we refuse to let things get quiet because here's the truth ready God loves you but sometimes we don't love ourselves and to be quiet with ourselves means we really have to start thinking about who we are and the things we don't like about ourselves would come to the front. Um, and so the enemy, and I will say the enemy, 
uses that to keep you out of the place of prayer because you can't let things get too quiet because if there's no distractions, all that's left is you. My mother used to tell me all the time because I would be that kid who texted like 80 people at a time. I was always on my phone, always paying attention to something else, not the people around me. And one day mom looked at me and she goes, if you were by yourself, you'd be so miserable, wouldn't you? And I was like, my birth mother said that to me and I was like, yeah. And it's like, it's something that I just kind of shirked off. But years later, that, that thought still comes back to me. And it's something I prayed and sought God for because I want to be able to be quiet with just myself and still be at peace because I'm content with the God in my life and the direction he's taking me. Amen. Uh, the third thing is patiently. Guys, patience is a big part of listening to God. So, look, some of you only pray five or ten minutes a day. And some of you pray like, oh, well, I pray on my way to work. Listen, that's a good first step. But if that's your only prayer time, you, you can't even, you're not even in a position where you could have patience because you're just kind of talking to God in transit. But what if you gave God time? What if you gave him an hour or two? And, and instead of talking the whole hour, being distracted the whole hour, what if you actually sat in silence, patiently waiting for God to speak? Um, Charles, Charles Stanley, Samuel, right? Like the guy we're talking about. When Eli told him, this is God, Go back. What did, what, did he, what did Samuel do? He went back, and I said, and he laid down again, and he waited. So this time Samuel knew that God wanted to talk to him. And instead of God speaking right away, he still had to lay in his bed and wait for God to speak. Right? So we see it with Samuel as well, that there was a point where he's like, okay, I know God. He had the expectation. I know God wants to talk to me. He had the quietness. I'm before the ark, and there's nothing else going on. But he just needed the patience. Now I have to wait for God to speak because I'm in the right place at the right time with the right expectation. And now God, what do you want to say? Your servant is waiting on you. Um, the average attention span for a human being is eight seconds. Mine is way lower than that. But the average attention span is eight seconds. Um, and can I tell you guys, unfortunately, patience calls us to be attentive longer than eight seconds. Um, and that's just a fact. Some of you because your attention has been so low, right? Uh, you're not even at this part of the sermon anymore because you already swiped away from the sermon because it's been longer than eight seconds, right? And so, uh, unfortunately, uh, all the people who wouldn't need to hear that don't get to hear that. Uh, but for those of you who you're in a group and you're on your phone right now, and even though we're all the sermons going and you're on Facebook or something, you need to let that go and learn to have the patience to have a longer attention span because listen, God doesn't talk in eight second intervals. He talks. Sometimes we have to be patient and wait for him and we have to be intense intentional about waiting for him to speak. I've said this before. There have been times where I was going to preach, where I was on my knees in the green room praying. And I said, God, I will not go out and preach to these people unless you speak to me first. I've had times where I was getting up for work and I was praying to God before work. And I just didn't feel like God had spoken to me yet. And so I said, God, I'll be late to work. That's fine. Just speak to me. I was never once late to work. God always talked. But sometimes he put me right at the edge. And in my patience, I had to wait to hear what God wanted to say to me. So patiently is such a big part and I think, honestly, out of all of this, it might be the hardest part for the average person is just to be patient in the presence of God. Ready? Uh, fourthly, this is honestly one of my favorite ones because I think it's something we don't talk about enough. Dependently. Are you dependent 
on the voice of God? See, I think most of us, the answer would be no. I think in our head we'd say yes because we know that's the right answer, but really we're not dependent upon God because if he doesn't answer, well, I'll go do this, this, and this, right? We have too many other options, too many other things we'll do if God doesn't speak. And I love what Charles Stanley writes in his, um, what Charles Stanley writes in the devotion. He said, our lives depend on our hearing, right? Have you ever heard the phrase, do this, do something as if your life depended on it, right? Watch, look after my son like your life depended on it, right? Like that was something I would tell babysitters when they watch Titus, like watch Titus as if your life depended on it, right? So that same aspect we had to have with God. God, I'm in here with you and I have to wait for you to speak because my life depends on your voice. Um, do we really see that with God? Do we really depend on him or do we have a lot of counter options if this doesn't work out? That's never going to work for you. Um, but here's the thing. Dependency kills agenda. And you should write that down. Dependency kills agenda. Actually, write that in the comments. Dependency kills agenda. I just want you to type it out so you can feel it. Why, why do I say that? Because if you're really dependent on God you'll have to stop being dependent on all your other plans because God and your plans rarely work out. A lot of times, actually most times, God calls us to die to our plans so we can live to him, right? And so when I become dependent on God and I don't need other things, I just become dependent upon his voice, then all the other agendas die. I know what God's called me to do. And so I may be tired, I may be overwhelmed, but I'm gonna step up and do what God's called me to do because I'm dependent on him and I'm not dependent upon my human, earthly circumstance. Amen. Next is openly. All right. So we don't just want to go before God um, and just kind of be bound up and not be willing to hear things that we don't want to hear. So being open to God is so important. So what I love is actually Samuel isn't the good example of this in the story we told. Eli is actually the good example of this in the story that we told. Because when Eli goes to Samuel, remember I talked about this after reading the verse, he goes to Samuel and he says, what did God tell you? And Samuel doesn't want to tell him. And he says, what did God tell you? And so Samuel tells him like, hey, God's going to judge you for what you did. He said, it, it, the Lord can do what he wants for he's in charge and he walks away. So Eli showed at least that towards the end of his life, after making all these mistakes, at least he was willing to be open with God and own his mistakes, right? And so some of us, the reason why we won't go to God is because it's actually God's trying to clean things out of our lives. And so because we refuse to be open with God and we have to keep so much hidden and, and we can't face our shortcomings and or maybe we're afraid of the great things God wants to do, whatever stops us from being open, we have to be open with God. And we know that David's famous prayer, he said, search my heart, O God. Search me, God, and know my heart. If there is an offensive way in me, lead me to your everlasting. So what David says when he's going before God is, search my heart. And if anything in me is as contrary to what you want, bring that change in my life. That's got to be the regular aspect of a Christian. It's not about what I want. It's not about what I want to do. It's not about where my emotions are at. God, it's about what your desire in my life is. So search my heart and clean this out. See, it's really easy to preach that. It's really easy to pray that. But in theory, but then God starts to call you and you're getting mistreated, but he calls you to be faithful anyway. You're being overlooked or you're feeling insecure, you're feeling uncared for, or maybe a significant other is mistreating you, or, or maybe your job isn't appreciating you, or maybe it seems like the people, don't res people around you don't respect you. All of these things, the fact that we go through that, God doesn't want that. But on the same note, he also, it doesn't give us an excuse to act contrary to his calling on our lives. Amen? 
Amen, amen. So being open and just like with David, saying when I'm going before God, I'm open. And if there's anything in me that is contrary to what you want, God, I am open to being changed before you. And an open heart will hear God speak so clearly. An open heart will hear through the overwhelmed feeling. An open heart will hear through your own personal emotions. An open heart will hear through your own shortcomings and your own issues in your life. When you open up your heart, there is nothing. You open up to God. Your heart is open to God. There is nothing in this world that will take you out of what God has for you. Um, the trick is, is staying open. Ready? Next, we're going to say attentively. This is important, right? Uh, so we said earlier uh, to be expectant and to be quiet. We said to be patient and dependent. But I want to say be attentive. Remember that final time that God went to, Samuel went to God, um, he was attentive to the voice of God. It's like I said earlier, but I want to repeat this. Um, he wasn't just on a cell phone. He didn't have a cell phone, Right? So he definitely wasn't on his cell phone. Like, it'd be mind-blowing if he was, right? But for us, like, if we're on our cell phones, well, because I've had those days, right? I've had those moments where I'm sitting with worship, I'm sitting with everything set up, and I'm scrolling Facebook. That's not prayer, right? I don't know if you've ever been praying in the shower, and you start thinking about yourself winning an argument, or you start thinking about all the things you want to do with you. You start thinking on these things, like these big thoughts that actually get in the way of you being attentive to God. We have to clear our minds of all these distractions and be attentive. God, what are you saying to me? right now this very this ties really well with quietly whereas being quiet involves getting actual physical sound away from you where attentively involves getting the distractions away from you right so i would say quietness is is about getting into a, a place where there's not people yelling or getting in the way of what God is saying. Now, I live in this house and there's a bunch of people there and there's nowhere to get quiet with God. I think God will compensate with that and meet you. I'm saying these are general rules. Now, with attentively, it means quieting your mind. If you're thinking about all of your offenses and all your struggles and everything going on, you can't be attentive to God. But when you shift your mind to focus solely on what God is saying, trust me when I tell you, you will hear him speak to you so clearly. Um, next is submissively. Submissively. Uh, this is where uh, it starts getting like really, really personal. Um, when Samuel was hearing from God and he kept not speaking back to God, what did Eli say? He said, here I am, Lord, your servant hears. Submission. Servant. So Samuel goes before God and when God speaks, he says, here I am, your servant hears. Um, a part of following God is being submissive to what he has to say. Listen, we're not co-laborers with Jesus. Jesus is in charge. We are submitted to him. Paul calls himself a slave of Christ or a bondservant. Yes, we're family. Yes, we're, yes, we are children of God. Yes, we are the bride of Christ. Yes, we are all these beautiful things, but we're also bondservants to the Lord. I am submissive to whatever it is that God wants me to say. What does this mean? This means if God says do this, you do it regardless of excuses, right? That if we don't have the heart to say, God, no matter what you tell me, I'm going to do it. If we don't have that kind of submissive heart, something will come along and take us away from what we're called to do because we stopped listening to God and let other distractions come in. But if we're submitted, this is what God spoke for me to do. Nothing can come against it. I will not give up whatever God's calling for me. No matter how hard the season is, 
how unworthy I feel for this season, how underprepared I feel for this season. God, you called me here. I'm submitted to your call more than I'm submitted to my insecurities or more than I'm submitted to the voice of that person trying to tear me down or even more than I'm submitted to my own thoughts trying to tear me down. I'm submitted to you first and foremost. David Livingston said, if a commission by an earthly king is considered an honor, how can a commission by a heavenly king be considered a sacrifice? Whatever God has called you to do, you're, it's not a sacrifice to do it. Do you have to make sacrifice to do it? Yes, but really in the grand scheme of what you get in return, like if someone says, give me $10 and I'll give you a million, that's not a sacrifice, <laughs> right? Handing over the $10 might feel like a sacrifice, but what you're getting in exchange, it really wasn't a sacrifice. Um, these aren't sacrifices. It's our honor and our pleasure to follow God. And if you have a heart like that, your ears listen to God so much more clearly than you ever heard him before. And my final point is reverently. I actually got through those points pretty quick because God is good. Uh, reverently. Uh, reverent, being reverent is being in awe of God and having a healthy fear towards him. Fear in the New Testament sense means awe. It means wonder. It means a recognition of how big God is, right? Um, or another way that, that the Bible puts it is it means profound adoration. If we are not in awe of God, then when he speaks, we won't feel like it's a privilege. We'll feel like, well, I deserve God to speak, right? Um, we, we shouldn't take for granted that God is talking to us. Like, think about, I've said this a thousand times, but it's something we have to keep in mind. Think about how big the universe is. Think about the fact that you're just, we're as big as a speck of dust on the grand scheme of Earth. And then even Earth is a speck of dust in the grand scheme of the galaxy. And this, our galaxy is a grand scheme, a little bit of dust in the grand scheme of the universe. And all these other galaxies and the infinite that is the universe as far as we know and that outside of all of that God's in heaven surrounded by angels crying out holy 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 there's thunder there's lightning there's fire there are saints underneath the throne crying out there are 24 elders all around him it is loud it is booming and through all of that God pierces through it and listens to you individually as a person he listens to your little and big struggles and every little thing you go through matters right that should make you feel special and important because you are special and important but hear me do not let your importance take away from how amazing it is that God did what he did amen and I want to close on this that when Jesus was preaching his his parables he would always say this he who has ears let him hear when we listen when we listen actively remember that active listening when we listen actively we show that we have ears to hear. Um, having ears to hear has a lot to do with having the Holy Spirit inside of you, but it also has a lot to do with the life you lead, um, your dedication to holiness, your desire to listen to God speak, because God wants to talk to you. Be encouraged. If you feel that, man, I just never hear God speak, be encouraged. The answer to hearing God speak was found in this sermon, because God's talking to you. He wants to speak with you. He desires relationship with you, and the truth of that is found in the Word, and it is found in the Gospel, in the sacrifice of Jesus. You matter. God is speaking. So now begin to apply these things to your life so you can hear God speak, and you can be guided by His ways. I love you, church. I hope you break into small groups right now and get led by the Lord, and we will talk again real soon. Stay blessed.